Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast where we talk about what's going on inside and outside the Michigan and State Theater and in art house cinemas in general. My name is Nick Aldrink and I'm the programming and media coordinator for the Michigan and State Theater and I am joined by a special guest. We're here to talk about a special film series coming up in the Michigan. Please introduce yourself. Uh, hello Nick, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ashkan Kazemi. I'm a I'm a PhD student here at the University of Michigan. I am also the president of the Iranian Graduate Students Association here again at the University of Michigan. Yeah. And I'm really happy to be here today and also talk about the film series that we're going to be hosting. Can you talk a little bit about the... Uh, the well, first, thank you for being here. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, can you t- tell us a little bit about the Iranian Graduate Student Association and your initiatives, maybe your missions? What, what are you working on right now besides the, the film series? All right. So we are a student organization within the University of Michigan, and we focus on sort of having a community for the Iranian people, the Iranian graduate students at the University of Michigan, and also more broadly, the Iranian community, uh, you know, around Ann Arbor and in Ann Arbor. And, you know, we host a couple of uh, events each year for like the Persian New Year or the Yalda night that we have, which is a celebration of the longest night of the year. Mm -hmm. But also we do want to and we do tend to reach out and give back to our community as well. We think that this is this has been especially important during, you know, these times where the tensions have been higher than, you know, the past couple of years. And I think. There, there are a lot of things that people can do, and one of them is, you know, reaching out and uh, sort of presenting ourselves and our cultures and, you know, presenting that to the community here uh, with the hope that that could bring people together. And I think that's really important. And we, as the Iranian Graduate uh, Students Associations, or as we like to call it, IGSA, mm-hmm. we also believe in doing that and, you know, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. you wrote um, on our on the, the uh, listeners can go to the Mich- theater the, the Michigan Theater website michtheater.org slash kiristami. Uh, we're here to talk about the Abbas Kiristami film series coming up in March. On that page, we posted you, you wrote some like very heartfelt words about Kiristami. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how Kiristami came to you and what what he means to you as a as a filmmaker? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the first time I actually got to see one of Kiristami's films was uh, through the recommendation of a close friend of mine, and I was in. And I also mentioned that in the thing that I wrote, but. I basically was at a moment in my life that I was really hopeless and did not find meaning in a lot of things. I wasn't happy. And then one of my friends uh, recommended me watching The Taste of Cherry. And that was like the turning point for me during that, like those hard times in my life. And, you know, after watching that film, it just changed my point of view and worldview. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that that movie was like a huge uh, critical success. It won awards at Cannes, mm-hmm. which was, I, I think it's actually like the only Iranian film that has won the main, like the main award at Cannes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And one of my hobbies is that I watch films. Yeah. And so that happened and you know a couple years passed and then i think in, it was in 2016 when kiarostami passed away yeah. he 
I think he passed away because of cancer. Yeah, he had cancer. cancer for a couple of years. And then once that happened, and I, I, I sort of felt like that I need to watch more of his work. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I, I felt that I owed it to him. And so I continued watching his films, and you know, I watched the films that are actually in this series. And it's sort of added to my perspective, both as an Iranian person, but as somebody who is a film enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, quick mention the, the titles of the films that are in this series. Uh, starting on March 9th, we're playing The Taste of Cherry. On March 16th, Certified Copy, which is a little bit different from the rest of his work, as it's a, the, one of his, his first films that was filmed outside of Iran. And then we go back to Iran, March 23rd, The Wind Will Carry Us, and then March 30th, Where Is the Friend's Home, or Where Is the Friend's House, I think, depending on the translation. Right. So what one of his key creative themes that he uses in his work is shooting the landscape of, of your right. it just looks right. so it looks it, he, he does it in, in such a way it's so loving and so beautiful no matter what he's pointing the camera at how can you what, what can you say to the I mean, as a as a as an american i don't know what's being left out of the frame so right. so how, how how do you feel about that the about what what he's showing foreign audiences about iran do you feel like it's uh true to what the country actually is uh that's a good question and it has been a like a point of discussion for me amongst my friends in the past couple years yeah so kiarostami actually made at least some of his films during the uh the eight year long iran and iraq war Uh and then he made some films after the revolution and you know during all those years iran was going through like major social economical uh challenges and like specifically the iran iraq war mm-hmm. and like a lot of people when they talk about kiarostami they're like he is he doesn't look like the responsible person like if he's a filmmaker he has to sort of reflect on those matters mm-hmm. But like, as I have seen more and more of his work, I sort of felt that he is actually reflecting on all those situations in Iran. And, uh, but he's doing it in a way that it's actually more understandable for a foreign audience. Mm -hmm. So for instance, uh, in the movie Where's Friend's House or Where's the Friend's House or Home? I don't Mm -hmm. know which one is the correct (laughs) one. But uh, yeah, so like, and that, that one was made, I think, during the war. So there was actually a war going on in Iran. Oh, yeah. And but there's no mention of that in the film. But as you can see, like you can see the, the way people live and some of their challenges. I, there are scenes that people talk about uh, ec- their economic situations, uh, you know, during that film. And although he doesn't reflect uh, you know, directly on the social and economical challenges that were happening and are happening in Iran. Mm-hmm. I think he actually is reflecting on those, but in a way, you know, that is better understandable for, or more universal for, you know, a uh, foreign audience. Uh, going back to the, to the more visual uh, parts of his work, uh, I actually, so my father, uh, from my father's side, uh, the, my father was born in northern Iran, and where's the friend's house also happens in, in a village in northern Iran. Mm-hmm. And so, like, 
when I was watching that film and I saw the little boy, you know, going around that village, it it reminded me so much of those uh, days that we used to visit my grandparents uh, in northern Iran. Mm-hmm. And the picture or the the things that you see in that film are like a very good example of, you know, a northern Iranian life. And then in Taste of Cherry, so I, I think like Tehran, amongst other Iranian cities, has been probably getting most coverage in all, all media, both in yeah. Iran and outside Iran. But in Taste of Cherry, you actually see a lot of uh, a lot of scenery which are in in the outskirts of Tehran, mm-hmm. uh, and you also see like in that film you see an Afghan worker or you see a soldier who is like from a city in Western Iran, and I actually felt that that picture was uh, was a more honest picture of what Tehran looks like. Mm-hmm. So it's so Tehran is like that big city that a lot of people come to for work or you know for. Uh, better living situations and there are there are a lot of afghan immigrants in tehran and i i felt like when i was watching that film i was seeing a more honest picture that i would see let's say in a report from cnn or you know bbc as you would usually see from iran uh, and from tehran mm-hmm. he usually does not use actors he uses like regular people yeah yeah and that sort of gives me a feeling of actually living in a city in Iran, uh-huh. you know, like that. So there's this like carpooling that happens in a lot of cities in Iran and you <laughs> go on a taxi and, you know, you see people from all sorts of backgrounds and cities and it it definitely feels like you are seeing those types of people or yeah. like in the Versa Ver- friend's house, I felt like I was seeing people in my elementary school, like my friends from elementary school, which was really nice. Uh-huh. So there's also that aspect to it as well. I'm glad you mentioned the carpooling aspect because that was something I I had written in my notes and I wasn't quite sure what the question was. But I see a lot of his his work and shooting the countryside. And it reminds me in a ways of a lot of the ways a lot of directors shoot Los Angeles where everyone's in cars. Because that that, because I I was kind of wondering what what the what the culture of 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 I guess of city life and of rural life. Of of Iran uh, because like because that's that's what the culture is in Los Angeles. You're always in a car. You're always driving somewhere. You're stuck in traffic or something. And here uh, he so much of his characters are seen just driving, okay. and he's other uh, characters talking to other characters through open windows or uh, in the in in the film. Uh, and life goes on. It's not not in our series, but in, the, in that in that film, you see him so many times. The main character stop, and then someone will just like put a gas tank or something on top of his car, and they'll say, "Bring that up the hill, will you?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure." I just I was wondering, is that true? So yeah, you said there's a there's a there's a carpooling culture in right. in Iran. So that 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 seems to be what he's getting at. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think so to yeah. some extent, uh-huh. but I, I can only. I am not an expert in like Iranian culture, yeah. but I can only tell you as far as I know. Uh-huh. So there is actually a strong carpooling. Uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's a culture now, but yeah. it, it is something that the government has implemented in different cities. So like 
we have cabs uh, at that stop at stations and pick people up and you know they drive them to a destination and people can get off at any point during that route uh-huh. and they pay a fee a certain fee and there's also a culture of like hailing cabs which yeah. happens so like most people if it's not too expensive they use cabs to get around Tehran and also in different cities it's more or less the same uh-huh. uh, So we do have a huge culture of carpooling, especially for people who, you know, get from their homes to their work every day. They usually use carpooling. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I grew up and lived in Tehran all my life before mm-hmm. coming here, of course. Uh, and I can say that every day I either at least once got on a, on, got on a, ta- uh, on a cab or a taxi or mm-hmm. drove myself. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely at least part of the Tehran lifestyle. You can't you can't live without getting on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what can you speak about, especially today, uh, with uh, increasingly tenuous times, uh, the art scene in Iran between Kiristami, who died a few years ago, and then to now, uh, like uh, Oscar Far- Farhadi is a very prominent Iranian film directors and there's a lot of directors that come from Iran what is the role of the artist in in Iran today can you speak about that a little bit uh, sure uh, so it's or, or I guess the better question is how are artists seen in Iran to, to, the, to the popular mainstream Iran audience so uh, this this definitely has been a subject of discussion and also has uh, shifted towards being more polarized mm-hmm. or like a sensitive subject. Uh, but basically, like we have a few artists like Askar Farhadi who is not who are known, you know, in the world, but also some more artists that are like more known in uh, in the Iranian communities and inside Iran. Uh, there's definitely a lot of talk about what uh, what is artists uh, vocation mm-hmm. uh, as a citizen in the community and how they should be reflecting on problems inside the society and there has been definitely a lot of talks around that and people have been either getting uh, have been either being praised or getting backlash because of that so mm-hmm. for instance uh, There, there have been some tensions, you know, starting from that whole thing where U.S. assassinated uh, a, an Iranian general. And then a lot of things happened following that. And there were a lot of tensions in Iran uh, in response to those events. And because of that, uh, there is this annual film festival that happens every year in Iran mm-hmm. called International Faj Festival. And what happened was like a lot of the major... Uh, artists and you know directors uh, actors actresses uh, a lot of them boycotted that festival but also a lot of a lot of the people who had films in there like participated and defended their actions and like there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of feedback from the you know from from the people saying that oh this person is definitely like an artist that sides with people versus this person is someone who is with the establishment and, mm-hmm. you know, they should be boycotted, nobody should watch their films, etc. And so this has, because, because the Iranian society has been sort of uh, involved in a lot of tensions during the past years, you know, we had, 
I guess the artists and their social, the social implications of what they do and what they say and what they make has been a major part of the Iranian culture during the past years because there are a lot of uh, people in Iran who are not happy with the way they're living. And a lot of this is caused by things that's happened outside Iran, like the U.S. sanctions. And a lot of it also happened from bad management inside Iran, which is like the most recent one being uh, the coronavirus that has been going viral in Iran. Or before that, uh, the shooting of an airplane, which all their passengers died. And so uh, because of that, art has been a major major, uh, tool or weapon for people to talk about these problems and to reflect on these problems. So... That, I think that's how and how much people and the artists have been involved in these situations. Okay. And I'm curious, another char- characteristic about his films, some more than others, some of his films are very deep, very existential, very serious, but he's not a humorless director either. I'm curious how you would describe Iranian humor. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> a good question. One of one of my favorite. I mean, Certified Copy. I mean, it's it, like I said, it, it's it's a very different film from the rest. So, but it right. is it's very it is very humorous. But I want to. There's a, a joke in uh, the Wind Will Carry Us where he the the main character he finds a bone like someone hands him a bone from a from a pit and he goes, "What is it? Uh, is this a left leg or the right leg?" And the guy <laughs> says. It's a leg bone, not a shoe. <laughs> I, I thought that was such a funny joke. I just, so yeah, I'm going back to my question. How, how do you describe Iranian humor to an uh, ignorant American <laughs> like me? Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. And I may not be able to answer this yeah. in the framework of Kiarostami's work, but also yeah. I, but I can answer it uh, you know, as a general question because this is something that I have been struggling with, you know, while trying to fit in with people who are not Iranian in a school. Uh-huh. And I realized that humor is a major part of the culture. Like, people like the people that are funny and, you know, uh, it's very different. So <laughs> there was a point in time that some uh, satellites, Iranian TV oh, or Iranian channels who broadcasted, uh, you know, series and stuff like that, for Iranian people, but were not part of the government. It started showing uh, comedy shows, like famous famous American comedy shows, uh-huh. and dubbing them, and they did not receive a lot of good feedback because okay. people thought they were not funny. So I would say the, the humor is very, very different. I don't know how I can describe that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I found parts of uh, Where's the Friend's Home very humorous as well. Just is he seems that the, the the little boy is such a is such a small unlikely hero. He he's going around. He's just, he's begging his mom. He's like, I want to I want to go. I want to go return his notebook. And she goes, Do your homework. <laughs> But I need to, I need to bring him his notebook. Said, no, I don't care. Do your homework. Yeah. It's just he's such a such in such a powerless situation. You can't help. It's just uh, it's it's so frustrating to watch. Just let let him let him go. Bring his friend's notebook, and then his mom is just everything he says to adults. It just goes right over yeah. their heads. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Is 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 the yeah? I just so I don't think I don't think he was meaning to be funny actually okay. for that one. But okay. I also laughed out loud when yeah. I saw that scene. <laughs> 
I feel like that that actually is or at least I've seen like my relatives and you know my aunts and uncles uh-huh. sort of uh, interact with their like younger children. Yeah. And I've definitely seen that happen. <laughs> I can't say that this is a thing that happens, you know, everywhere in Iran yeah. or it's like a thing, but like I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. And it I don't think that was actually right. a joke, but it was definitely funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You've um been able to get some great guests to come to to just to to this series. Can you speak about our our special guests who we can expect to 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 speak? Uh yeah, sure. Uh so I think I think this is this is fine this the finalized, you okay. know, setup of the guests. Uh so we are we were able to gather a really good group of people uh to attend or to be on panels after the films. We are planning to have a panel after the Taste of Cherry mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. Cameron Cross, who is a, an assistant professor of Persian studies here at University of Michigan, who knows a great deal about Iranian cinema, Iranian poetry, and he also speaks fluent Farsi, which is amazing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we have him... And he also has done like an Iranian film festival a couple of times during the past years. And I think he did one last year. And uh, so and I think parts of his festivals were like some of the films in the series were also in his festival. So mm-hmm. he knows a great deal about these films. Also, we have Dr. Linda Saab, who is... An, an, an assistant professor at Wayne State school or Department of Psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And she's a psychiatrist. And we also have her on because of the theme of Taste of Cherry, which is around suicide. And mm-hmm. we thought like the opinions of a psychiatrist could be very useful. Absolutely. Uh, so that's those are the two guests we have for the panel for Taste of Cherry. Mm-hmm. We also are planning to have a panel for... The Wind Will Carry Us, which will probably be only Dr. Cameron Cross. Okay. Uh, and for the last film, which is Where's the Friend's House or Where's the Friend's Home, uh, it's we have two guests. One of them is Dr. Nilufar Sarlati, who is a collegiate fellow at, again, at the LSA department in the University of Michigan, and she studies Middle Eastern and Persian literature and comparative literature. And uh, we are really happy to have her. And also we have an Iranian screenwriter and playwright uh, who is also a doctor, but not an academic, uh, called Nahme Samini. Uh, she has made or she has written a few films and she has also had a few plays uh, in different countries. And yeah, we're excited to have these people mm-hmm. to have these people on panel. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to have have them here as well. So again, the films that we're playing in the series: Taste of Cherry on March 9th, Certified Copy on March 16th, The Wind Will Carry Us on March 23rd, and then Where Is the Friend's Home on March 30th. Just to give just to give the listeners a quick background, because I really because just a quick background on how the series even started. Um, I have been wanting to do this series because a lot of these films have just been recently restored by Janice, 
And I've seen, I was, I was watching some of our colleagues, you know, the bit with the, one of our friends at uh, the Bellcourt Theater in Nashville. They did a Kiarostami series not long ago. So I was really looking, at, I was looking forward to doing uh, this series, but I was just waiting for that right moment. And then all of a sudden, I get an email from you. from It's just like, hey, I think you should do a Kiarostami series. I'm like, I think so too. <laughs> so thank you for, for, for reaching yeah. out and really pushing this forward. The way I, the way I looked at this series... Starting with Taste of Cherry, just because that is such a deep e- emotional work of art, and I just thought that was a, a great way to just really, like, almost like dive headfirst into his filmography right. there. And then I wanted to do Certified Copy next because it's just so different. Right. Um, it, like I said, it's it's his it was his first work done outside of. Uh, done outside of Iran shows a completely different side of him but also I kind of saw it as a almost like an introductory work it might it might it might be a way like the people's way in to 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 seeing him especially our audience loves Juliet Binoche yeah (laughs) Uh, also another thing that I just found out about uh certified copy so Taste of Cherry is one of the best films I've ever seen in my life Uh but so in this uh, movie, in this film series, I was particularly not excited about Certified Copy because uh-huh. it was it was very different from Kurosami's work. And then mm-hmm. I actually watched the film last night, mm. and I realized that the cinematographer is Luca Bigazzi, mm-hmm. who also works extensively with the Italian director Paolo Sorrentino, who does yeah. uh, the great, who has done The Great Beauty, The Young Pope. And that guy is also one of my like one of my favorite directors, and his films are really good. So that's that's an extra point for certified <laughs> copy. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the the wind will carry us uh, is next after that again. Just um, his sweeping shots of those of the, of the fields in that in that film are so beautiful. And again, it's just another deep. Uh, sort of existential piece and then where's the friend's house i intentionally put at the end because it's essentially it's the first of his coker trilogy right the series could have been easy where i could have just said let's just play the coker trilogy and find right, like, yeah. put, put like taste of cherry in there but so but i wanted to put it at the end as a way almost like a like a cliffhanger ending to this series just to be like if if if, if 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 the series wants to continue, we can have it continue. We can play the other two, or if that's not necessarily the case, I want I wanted to encourage people to go out and find these next two films. So that's kind of why I put it put it at the end there. Also, that's also his earliest work that's in a series in nineteen eighty one. Correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this film series, and I'm looking forward to the, the, the special guests that we have coming along. Now, before we wrap things up, I should have given you a warning about this. I, I completely forgot. There's a way that we usually end these podcasts where we talk about uh, what I what I call our movie magic moments of the week, and this is what I, and this is the moment where we can talk about where I give you the chance to talk about something else that you've seen recently. Not no 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 pressure if you if you, if you can't think of anything, but I like to think of uh, just something that you can rem- something that you've seen recently that you can recommend to our listeners, uh, and as I say, reminded you why you love movies. It could be a, a specific moment for a movie or a movie itself that you saw recently. So I'll 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 I'll, I'll kick things off here. I recently saw this film called Aniara. 
It's a Swedish film. I watched it on Hulu. Uh, my colleague uh, Mackenzie recommended it to me. She saw it at the, at the Toronto International Film Festival. But it's about this spacecraft leaving Earth, and they're on their way to Mars, but they are knocked off of course. They're knocked off course, and they don't have enough fuel to correct their course. So they're just drifting into space. They can't stop. They can't turn around, and they're just waiting to reach this the next celestial body that they can wrap themselves around and launch them back towards Mars. But unfortunately, uh, you find out that the near celestial body is light years away, and they're never going to reach it. So these people are just they're stuck on a spacecraft essentially for the rest of their lives, uh, and they learn and they're learning how to essentially create a new society on this ship and how to deal with. Uh, with, the, with the existential dread that that comes with, and so none of this is fun. <laughs> this is I, this is my movie magic moment because it's that it just reminded me of the power of movies to make you <laughs> feel something, whether it's joy or on the or on dread of the deepest levels. I, this movie, I have not been able to get it out of my head. For the okay. past three days. What was the name? Aniara, A N I A R A, is just so incredibly thought provoking and powerful. Again, not in the best ways, but <laughs> that's what it did to me. Um, so, yeah, I can. Uh, that's what I'll recommend to our folks. Aniara, what is something that you've seen recently? Uh, I, I actually have seen a couple films recently that really like said wow this is this is an amazing film and yeah. i should tell other people to watch it one of them was so i'm gonna do two because yeah. one of them is really easy so the first one was jojo rabbit okay <laughs> it was it really resonated with me and mm -hmm. like there's a I, i'm not gonna give away any of the like any of the story but there's a scene at the very ending that says or it's a poem that uh, you know wraps up the film that says let everything happen to you beauty and terror just keep going no feeling is final and that was like whoa I, <laughs> I really like that part and uh, I think I think Jojo Rabbit has gotten a lot of attention so I also watched another film that might not be as known as Jojo Rabbit that I really like which was The Wind That Shakes the Barbie oh, okay. by Ken Loach I, I haven't seen it but I know it yeah. Right. That that was how I felt about it before I watched it. Uh -huh. And it's about the Irish independence wars or revolution mm -hmm. and how they are fighting uh, how they are fighting the British and how that revolution goes and you know what are the costs of that revolution, how idealistic they are, how things turn out and it was just very powerful and also uh, definitely some scenes that would be hard to watch, mm -hmm. but also very powerful stuff, and I would definitely recommend people watching it. Perfect. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that out. Um, I, with that St. Patrick's Day coming up, I was just looking up, uh, just because I like to make these these challenges for myself, I was thinking, like, what's the perfect movie to watch on St. Patrick's Day? And that was something that came up, oddly enough. I'll have to check it out. Thank you so much, Ashkan, for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you to the, uh, thank, thank you to you all for listening. Uh, if you want to send us an email, send us an e email at btmpod at gmail.com. Send us your movie magic moments, uh, whatever you got for us, your questions. Find us on Facebook, the Michigan and State Theater, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Uh, Ashkan, what can, do you have anything to plug? Any other work besides the Kiristami series with the Graduate Association that you like to plug? Uh, no, just, just the fact that these are all amazing films and I, I and the board of IGSA, we want to invite people to Michigan Theater to watch these films. They're amazing. Perfect. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening and thank you for joining us behind the marquee. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was great.